0: up by it I told her she gotta come try it they wondering what I've been doing I told her I'm keeping it quiet I pull up you know I' be moving whipping the foreign I'm cruising the money I'm speaking it fluent, all of my business booming stacking my cash in abundance all of my family funding finally got what I wanted life is amazing I love it everyone know that I running yeah
1: I mean I't really have the normal experience you know I didn't do I didn't go to high school. I don't think I've ever actually set foot in a high school, because I've just gotten too much trouble over stupid stuff most of life. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so...
0: Tell a story about why you wanted to be in the Marine Corps to start with.
1: I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be, I was like, these guys are the only ones that are all volunteer. They're the only ones that are you know the, that are crazy enough to do what they do so even in
0: World War Two, if you got drafted you never got drafted to the Marine Corps it was just the other no, branches
1: Marine Corps have never, has never had a draft wow well, okay ever um so I wanted to be them and they I were. remember
0: the story your dad always told about you would like during 9-11 you were like "Oh, well, I'm gonna do something about this or whatever is that true yeah that was a true story so you saw the Twin Towers fall and you stood up and you're like yeah hey, I'm gonna do something about this
1: yeah I was like I don't ever want to see something like this happen again
0: and you were how old at this point that's in 5th grade, nine, yeah. ten. Okay, I think 5th grade's like 11, so yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And where did it go from there? Did you immediately
1: just start? Uh, I think the next thing that I did was just, yeah, it was just, I always wanted to be in the military. But at that point, I was just like, all right, I'm going to Marine Corps. And I just, like, researched and dreamed. And
0: Could you hit Google at this point? It was like the beginnings of Google. Yeah.
1: And my dad had like some books on it and stuff like that. So I was obviously checking out like books on like boot camp and like Marine Force Recon and stuff that like Uncle Jimmy gave me. Like Jimmy gave me a couple books and he told me all about a a bunch of his buddies that were in and stuff.
0: Before we get too deep into it, who are you and why are you on this podcast?
1: I'm Nathan's uncle and I am Tim. I am Tim. I am Tim. And uh
0: You're the favourite child apparently.
1: I'm apparently the favourite.
0: According to my mom.
1: I am the the one that, you know, I guess made it. <laughs> I'm the one that made it made it to the top tier of the child of the, the children list.
0: You were one A and everybody else was one B?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I guess.
0: Not by your own choosing, but
1: No. I just was trying to be me.
0: You're just a likable dude. I guess. But anyways, back in the Marine Corps stuff. Your dad, my grandpa, was definitely very. He, uh, he worked real hard for you in trying to get you to where you wanted to go.
1: Yeah, he was tough. He was tough on me for a long time. And then it was so crazy, like the change whenever I actually graduated boot camp, which was actually the first time I ever saw him cry, was that day. You were there, weren't you? Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. Gave him a, I gave him that Eagle Open anchor, and he just bawled. Yeah. Like a, like a kid. And I didn't... Mean, I just looked at... Me. I looked at your mom and was just like, what What do I do?
0: He worked almost as hard as you did to get you there, and he wasn't even the one... Yeah. You know, doing it.
1: Yeah. And, like, that's, like, the whole... His whole demeanor, his whole everything about me just changed so much. How so? Like, at that exact moment. Like, he was hard on me.
0: What are some examples of that?
1: Hard on me? I mean, there was, there was not much. You didn't... I didn't get away with much around Dad growing up, uh... Whenever it was just me and him, like to the point, especially like being a teenager and stuff, like it was, uh, it was tough. He was, uh, we we butted heads a lot.
0: Well, because not only was he your dad, he was also your boss. Yeah, yeah. Because as I'm sure you can get into, like you weren't going to school at the time. You were taking your GED stuff afterwards online and all that.
1: Yeah, and I was, uh, I worked a full time job. Had like construction. 15,
0: 15,
1: 16 Uh, well, I mean, I I did it. Forever, right. Since thing. I could walk, but at that time I was, yeah, I was working a full time job at fourteen.
0: And your boss was your dad.
1: My boss was my dad, and I mean, whenever I say full full time job, I mean like I was literally contracting full roofs, yeah. for people's houses. I was building, you know, sheds. I was building decks and all kinds of stuff, replacing you know pieces under your house, seals and stuff like that.
0: But looking back, I think that translates really well to going to the Marine Corps because you had to deal with drill sergeants who were, you know, they slept in the same building you slept in. You had to be 100% oh, yeah. at all times, At all times, no matter what, where you were going to pay for it. And I my think, last
1: name's Paris, so being on Paris Island did not help right very much.
0: But I think by the time you were there, you were used to just being constantly scrutinized whenever you were sleeping, whenever you were working, no matter what you were doing. Yeah. Somebody was paying attention and somebody was giving you an evaluation on what you were doing.
1: Yeah, somebody was making sure I was doing it right. And that's why I feel like I didn't have too terribly much trouble in boot camp. I excelled. I excelled very well in boot camp. And, uh
0: With a broken ankle.
1: With a broken ankle. Actually, they still, so, like, I came to my unit, like, a year later, a year and a half or so later, and uh I asked him what, like, I was like, so where, where were you in boot camp? He was like, oh, I was Delta Company. I was like, yeah, what, uh, I was like, what platoon? He was like, I was, uh you know, whatever. I can't remember. It was, he was on the, I was like, what floor? He was, like, I was on the first floor and I was Delta company, you know, first platoon or whatever. And I was like, that's awesome. Dude. That was what, what I was in. And then I asked him like who his drill instructors were. And he had like three of the same drill instructors that I had. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's crazy. And then we started talking and I was like, yeah, I went to boot camp. Uh, I was like, it, was, it sucked because I went to boot camp with a broken ankle and just had to suck it up and hide it. And he was like, that was you. I was like, What do you mean? He was like, dude, they told us stories about you. I was like, What are you talking about? He's like, literally they told us stories about you being broken and going through boot camp. And like they they didn't say anything because you didn't say anything, but your ankle was like black. Like it just was bruised and black for like you know, three months.
0: Did they ever say anything to you, even after you graduated boot camp? Were they like good job or yeah, yeah, like, they, like because of the ankle, like they ever acknowledge it to you?
1: Yeah. Like after I graduated they kind of just had a different a different respect towards me, I guess, than most of the other guys.
0: Because they knew how much they, they were just
1: like, Yeah, that's Because they could just see. I mean, every time I would, you know, move the wrong way, I just,
0: uh,
1: just it sucked. But you they can't think,
0: acknowledge their, at the time they can't acknowledge that they feel for you yeah. because they but can't well, show sympathy.
1: And this was also back in the good old days where we had uh this was actually taken away while I was at boot camp. We would uh they called it the SCUS brush. Okay. And scuzz in the the military is just uh, kind of like, if they call you scuzz, you're pretty much the lowest form. <laughs> like, that. You're, you're the stuff that they sweep off the floor. Okay. Uh, But scuzz brush is a brush. That's, it's kind of like a boot cleaning brush or like a, you know, shoe cleaning brush that's about you know, six inches long, eight inches long. You know, those little brushes. That's what we sweep the floor with. Oh. So, you sweep the floor, you duck walk the whole way, which is like, if anybody doesn't know what duck walking is, it's literally like... You squat all the way down.
0: With your feet wide as you can. Squat all the way down to where your butt's yeah. basically touch on the floor. And walk. And sweep the floor, apparently. Yeah. With try a six-inch
1: a, brush. With a six-inch brush. And try to do that with a broken ankle.
0: Yeah. A lot of ankle flexion going on there.
1: Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, that was no fun. That actually got taken away, like, right... Like, three-quarters of the way through boot camp. They I just remember one day... Cruel. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Some kid, apparently, like, threw out his back or something like that. Which, uh, it wasn't the first time. And some... Like apparently he wrote to his mom what? how bad it was and why he got hurt because he he threw out his back and that kid ended up on Paris Island for like a year. Oh jeez. Like, did he I mean, graduate you now? Do you know? Yeah, You ended up graduating. Like they won't let you stop. Yeah. The only way you stop is if you get killed or you hurt yourself so bad they have to medically discharge you or you
0: ask to go home. Mm. They yeah. usually don't let it go. Mm. Oh, Okay. No,
1: no, your drill instructors aren't gonna let you. They're not gonna let you do that. They uh they used this one kid as an example, and that he apparently he said that he wanted to go home and uh, that he quit and this and that and they just came and arrested him in front of everybody and threw him in the brig. Oh, like, apparently for, that's like, trespassing or something? No, it was uh I can't remember what it was like something something to do with government property. Basically saying hey you are government property at this point so.
0: Wow, because you've already signed your contract. Yeah,
1: so at this point yeah that's kind of cool you sign your contract with your eyeball. What do you mean? Your contracts are biometrically signed. Oh. Whenever you sign them, you look into this machine and it, it literally has like a print of your eyeball and then your fingerprint. And that's how you. My you, ink? No. Wow. No, there's two different uh, biometric signatures on that contract whenever you sign up.
0: It's your eye and your fingerprint.
1: Yeah. It's pretty cool. And that was in 2010. So I don't even yeah. really know how it is now. It's pretty neat.
0: Yeah. No. I'm sure now they just like, you just breathe into it and they know your blood type, your DNA, or you know, whatever. whatever the military is hiding
1: from us i know my dna is out there because they did they did uh dna swabs on all of us and stuff and trying to get like uh like i got my top secret clearance like security clearance and uh that's part of it like your dna is on file with like nsa and
0: i mean imagine if you're going through camp right now with everything going on too
1: uh so i've got four friends of mine that are adrenaline instructors okay and i talk to them pretty often and uh, they're like, dude, as soon as this COVID stuff is over, he's like, if you feel like making a trip, come down, and you can come yell at some recruits on the island. <laughs> and I was like, that would be a dream come true.
0: How has it changed now for them with COVID going on?
1: Uh, they're just so they're so isolated.
0: I mean, like, you that can't island, make, the way boot camp works. You can't distance from
1: each other. No, there's that's it's the exact opposite of distance. Like, I mean, you you get so, way too comfortable with
0: going people. to the shower, not the butt uh, yeah, every day. L-
1: legitimately not the butt like every day, but naked of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, a hundred plus guys just swinging, rolling in the shower
0: in a shower that probably, you know, 10 people. What this is this? What is designed for?
1: Yeah. Uh, about, about 15, 20, maybe.
0: And you got a hundred people yeah. in there.
1: Uh, we fit 13 people in a porta john Nice. Yeah. Well, and, what's uh, the reason for that one. Uh, Thirteen people had to pee, okay. and we put. And they said, "Good, all of you get in there right now." And they get, they made all of us fit in a porta john, and then one kid fell in, and he had uh, he had blue boots for a while.
0: Poor guy. Yep. Hope they were rainproof or waterproof. No. Oh. No.
1: He ended up having to get new new ones issued to him because there's just no there's yeah, no getting there's that no out coming of leather. back from that. No, it was bad. It was something.
0: What are some other notable experiences you have in boot camp?
1: Boot camp. Boot camp's hard. Like I've seen kids like getting screamed at. You know, trying to climb a rope and, in gear and uh, just let go
0: and fall 20, 30 feet.
1: Uh, I think that rope's fifty. Jesus. Christ. And he broke. I remember he just. It was right in front of me. He landed three feet from me, and uh, he broke both his legs. I saw the bones shoot out of his shins. Uh, that was intense. I mean, you have guys that. You learned that that the people aren't mentally. All created equal. No, yeah, because
0: they, they test that. That's, I think they test yeah. that much more than they do physically. Because,
1: I mean, you have guys that fully break down that are just every single night, they're screaming in their sleep. Boot camp's an interesting time to be, because you have what's called fire watch, which is basically just for two hours a night, you're up, and you have to just walk around. One guy stands at one end, and then the other person literally, like, roves. And you walk around, you make sure everybody's okay, Make sure nobody's trying to kill themselves, because that happens. It happens more often than you think. Uh, Like, you make sure, obviously, no gear is being messed with, because, like, drill instructors from other platoons and stuff will come in and mess with you. Like, they actually test you. They'll come in and, like, try to steal people's rifles and steal, like, footlockers and stuff like that. And uh, you have to, like, stop them, which you can't, because they're just going to turn around and scream at you and slap you, you know?
0: I'm sure that's great when people are sleeping and someone's screaming and slapping people.
1: That's just that's the spook cam. Oh, it's I mean you get you get to the point where you just sleep through it. Like I can sleep through full artillery fire. Jesus. Being laying next to. I'm uh, such a
0: light sleeper too. I can't even imagine.
1: Uh, that's the thing. If you touch my doorknob, I will wake up.
0: That's how I am. Like yeah. if, Like I live and you know we're in my apartment right now. If someone touches the outside doorknob and You're I here. am two doors away, all the way down the hallway in my bedroom, I'll wake up. Like my roommates come home at night most of the time. I'll wake up immediately.
1: Yeah, and like that's how I am. I'm so. Su- it depends on what the sound is. Gunfire going off. If I know like it's not coming at me, I'm not gonna wake up. I'm not gonna wake up. Uh yeah, boot camp sucked. But I would honestly, I would if I if I had to do if I had the entire Marine Corps experience to do over again, I would I would have just. I'd have stuck with it. I'd have done the. I would have just done my my Marine Corps differently. I'd have tried to stay out of trouble a little more. Right. And I uh, I would have worked harder at certain things that I wanted to do.
0: Knowing what you know now, would you still have gone into the Marine Corps?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I probably still would have because there's there's nowhere that you're gonna learn and get that experience that I got.
0: And knowing what you know now, if you hadn't made some of the mistakes you did, would you still be in the Marine Corps?
1: Probably, yeah. Probably, I would probably be one of those guys that are drill instructors right now.
0: That's what you want to be, a drill instructor. Uh,
1: originally, I joined the Marine Corps. I wanted to be, uh, like the the top tier, like special operations, Mar-soc. which is MARSOC. Uh, so I did.
0: I mean, you had to work with those guys some too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have a. I had a couple buddies that were MARSOC, and I got to do some cool stuff. I actually got to do some work with a couple SEAL teams and stuff like that. But that was stuff that I like went out of my way to volunteer for. Right. Uh, but the, originally I was trying to go MARSOC, and I just got uh, I got non-selected for the program because uh, I have no clue. They never tell you why. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was because it was kind of rank. If it, it was a rank issue, I was the only person there that was not a staff sergeant or above. I was you just a, a I was point. a low life corporal at that point, and I was in my first enlistment, which makes it even harder. But uh, 2014, whenever it was time for a re-enlistment to come up, I was going to do it, uh, but that was the only way that I was going to do it. I was like, the only way that I'm going to reenlist is if I go Marsoc. And uh, they just I, I tried out for it twice, and they non-selected both times. What did you do? Uh, I was a field radio operator for a artillery battalion. Not, well, not I was, uh, I, was, I was the guy directly behind the gun. Right, or the guy directly calling the fire,
0: calling coordinates and all that stuff on the grid. Yep. How exactly does that work? Uh, it's oof. guy radios into you. He needs artillery fire here. What happens next?
1: Uh, so I hear it on the radio. I write it down and I scream it to there's a uh, there's usually two lieutenants and a couple other guys in this tiny little tent that's behind all the guns, and uh, I scream it to them. They do a whole bunch of crazy math on the fly, like right there. All that stuff's literally done. There's no calculators. There's no yeah, nothing. They it's all write it out and stuff too. It's... Yeah, they write it out and do it in two seconds, like literally, like within thirty oh, because seconds. Because they've done it thousands of times too. Yeah, within thirty seconds they've got it. And there's several different ways they can call a grid. They can give like longitude latitude, obviously. They can give just a direction from where you're at. They could be like direction, whatever. And no it's distance? just a number.
0: They give like a direction and a distance? Yeah. Okay.
1: And they just lit like literally direction four hundred uh, you know, whatever uh, kilometer or kilometers. And point shoot and we can land I think twenty six miles away, we put three rounds in the back of a Humvee.
0: Pretty accurate. Yeah. I mean we were considering the blast
1: radius is much bigger than the back of a Humvee. A thousand a thousand uh, a thousand yard blast radius. A thousand meter blast radius. Wouldn't want to be uh, there. Well, that's just the kill radius. And these are like, 105? No, 155. 155 oh, wow. millimeter. It's a big round. Yeah. So it's... Um, no, the 1,000 meters is the kill radius. So everything in 1,000 meters is dead.
0: Vaporized, pretty much?
1: Just, just done. Uh, everything within f- about 5,000 meters is death. You don't want to be there? Uh, I've been there, and it's not fun. I've been there. That was interesting. Uh, my first ever field op... We're driving through the desert, and I get a chance to go to sleep. So I'm riding in the back of this Humvee, and I'm passed out up against the door. And we're just, I mean, my head's just slapping off this glass the whole time. Yeah. I'm trying to get, like, two seconds of sleep because I haven't slept in, like, three days. And uh, all of a sudden, I just hear somebody go, whoa! And it was the, the staff sergeant in front of me. Turns out that uh, another artillery battery that was out there was firing at us. Because we were driving through the impact zone to get from one side to the other to shoot somewhere else. Yeah. Well, they were firing directly at us, and it's just they didn't
0: realize you were friendly.
1: No, it, it, it was, we was we're in 29 Palms, California.
0: Oh, this is when you were in California. Yeah.
1: Okay. Was, this was my first field op.
0: Oh, okay. So this wasn't even in Afghanistan yet.
1: No. Uh, and yeah, I didn't I didn't do artillery in Afghanistan. Right. But uh, yeah, I was like directly. I know what those rounds look like hitting. Right there. I mean, the Humvee shaking. Why did they shoot at you? They, they, didn't know, we, they didn't coordinate with us. They didn't know we were there.
0: Oh, okay. So they were shooting at you because they saw you yeah. visually. They, they were shooting because they didn't realize you were downrange.
1: Yeah. They were just like, they were just picking spots and shooting at it. Jesus. And Because uh, uh, 29 Palms has 936 square miles of impact area. It's the largest military it's, yeah, it's base largest in, military, yeah. in, in the world. And has the most impact area. And
0: probably the most miserable one to be at, from what you sound Dude, like sometimes.
1: oh my god. That place sucks so bad. I've never been to a place that literally no one had cell phone service for days and days. And like, I, that's, that's one of the places that I've never felt so out there and alone. Like I got dropped off one time to like guard a road or whatever and make sure nobody came through and did the same thing that happened to us and got blown up. Um, and I remember it, it got dark. I had to stay the night there by myself. It got dark and in every direction as far as I could see. And like we're talking like if you've ever been to the desert, in every direction as far as you can see is like a long ways. Yeah. It's like a hundred miles. Just like it's flat. a long ways.
0: The and, horizon goes down before you see anything. Yeah.
1: And uh there's not even a twinkle of a house light. There yeah. was nothing. There's no there was just completely pitch black dark and there's no light anywhere for a hundred miles around me. Sure, the in sky every direction. That's pretty cool. The sky was amazing. Like I, I tried to take pictures and they just nothing does it, that sky justice. It was intense.
0: Could you see like all the galaxies and stuff? And yeah, that,
1: yeah. And then there's just I mean, it was it was gorgeous. But it was you told be scared. Oh my god. Middle of nowhere. Men that far from anything having nothing but a walkie talkie and one MRE and a canteen full of water and uh you hear rattlesnakes around you, and uh, coyotes hunting packs, and they will come after you out there.
0: I'm assuming you had a rifle at this point, though. So
1: yeah, you had a rifle with no ammo. Oh, so I can, you know, beat them to death with the club if I want to, but that's about all you got.
0: What's the point of giving you a rifle with no ammo?
1: And training to make sure you don't lose it.
0: Uh, but not giving you ammunition to do anything stupid with.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, that was a big deal because uh, apparently Marines like to commit suicide. So
0: I get it. I mean, yeah.
1: That was uh, my first experience with suicide was on that field up. I was uh, in a port john and the port john next to me, it sounded like firecrackers went off, and me and another guy came out of the port johns on each side of it, and we were like, what the hell was that? Pull this door open, and this kid falls out, and I can see through the top of his head into his mouth. He put three rounds through the top of his head, and that's why you don't get ammo until you're down, down range, Afghanistan. Right. Unless you're like training and there's people actively yeah, like you're at the there. range or you're doing
0: yeah. some kind of field op where there is, you know, yeah. sim going on or something like that. Yeah. Do you ever do any of that?
1: Oh, yeah, the paintball? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. They're very high velocity Every, paintballs. Yeah, it's a 9mm like round you would put in like a Glock, but it's just. Uh, Are that, they
0: modified M16s to fit those kind of rounds?
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, a modified M16. It's a normal M16 like lower receiver, and then the u- upper receiver has like a 9mm barrel, obviously, right. and like a different... Because the, the magazines, they look the same, but internally, they're completely different. I'm sure the ballistics
0: of the rounds are a little different, too.
1: Yeah, they're a lot slower. Uh, M16 is going to be moving. I think it's like 3,600 feet per second. And so you're going to get a lot more bullet drop 9mm. and blah, 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 blah. But you're not really... Yeah. You're not going to be shooting you're five, not 600 at, yards. Yeah, they're no. going to use something like that whenever you're fighting, like whenever you're training,
0: like... City combat yeah, kind of stuff, like
1: door to door. Whenever you're really doing like close quarters,
0: I'm sure they don't feel too good when they hit though.
1: Oh, they hurt. Uh, they're not actually. It's not paint. It's not like paintball. It's powder. Yeah. It's like really, really hard powder. Just pla- just packed in like a piece of plastic.
0: Because I'm sure, like, if you had like a plastic whatever that held paint in it, it'd probably burst at that kind of velocity because it's going what, three hundred yards a second or something like yeah. that.
1: It hurts. It hurts. It leaves pretty nasty little welds. It hurts worse than paintball.
0: Was there a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff or was it all pretty business and
1: Uh, stuff like that was pretty fun. Uh whenever we did the only thing that we really just hated was whenever we had to do stuff like mount like uh mount towns like mobile operation. Uh it's mobile operation urban terrain. Okay. And uh it's like the door to door fighting. But it's like these towns that they have built out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, wherever whatever base you're at.
0: Pretty similar to how you faced in Afghanistan too though.
1: Yeah. And they'll uh You'll go, you know, door to door and train how to, how to fight. Like, you know, coming in, clearing rooms and, uh, cause I mean, in the, in that kind of situation, it's way different than being like out in the countryside. Like you have no clue where they're at. Right. And in the countryside you're firing
0: at each other from half a mile away and yeah. nobody's really going to hit. You're not really going to get hit from that far away most yeah. of the time.
1: I mean, you can, you could definitely can, but I mean, something like that. You got somebody 20 feet behind you, just put them seven in your back. You yeah, know, and you had no clue they were even there because you ran into this room and they were hiding in the corner behind the closet. Yeah, behind the closet. And that's door. why it's so
0: important to have communication and practice. The point where yeah. you are in Afghanistan and it is live and all that. There's
1: by the by the point that I went to Afghanistan, me and the guys that I was with, uh, we were so close. We didn't have to say a word. Right. We didn't say because I was with I was with some some special some special guys like you we, could do uh, it
0: blindfolded at that point. I'm sure. Yeah,
1: and we were uh, we were different. We were some special some special guys before we went, because there was only 12 of us. And
0: were you, those those the same guys you went to Afghanistan with?
1: Yeah. Yeah, originally it was 12 of us, and then they sent out four more guys, and we ended up having 16 Marines, uh, just on this little, little spot in the middle of a town. Like, we were literally, like, right in the bazaar area, which would be, like, the downtown of, a place in Afghanistan.
0: What actual, like, operation were you a part of in Afghanistan?
1: Uh, both. There was, like, uh, what was it? Enduring Freedom, and, Uh uh, Another one, I was actually in for both. So my my Afghanistan service ribbon or medal actually has a star on it because technically, according to the books, I was there for two deployments. Huh, that's weird. In one because we changed missions during the right.
0: deployment. What was the actual purpose of your, like? I guess, the platoon you were with? the sixty or like, What do you consider 16 guys? Is that are just a squad of guys?
1: Yeah, we were just... Yeah, I guess not really a platoon. It was just some guys. What was your and
0: specific mission while you were there?
1: We did everything. I mean, we would go... They'd be like, hey, there's this bad guy. He's here. Uh, we know that he's been doing this, this, and this, and we need you to go get him. And we would have to go in, and I mean, like, we'd go in and sneak in at night and just snatch people up. And,
0: oh, so you are taking people alive. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we would take people alive if we could, and we would, you know, bring them back, and they would get interrogated and find out what's going on here and there. And other than that, I mean, we, we did that. We went around and handed out school books to kids. Right. We handed out, you know... Uh, you know what? What are those little toys the little little like Teletubby little toys and stuff uh-huh. I mean, we handed out book bags you remember I brought Dakota home a book bag right. from Afghanistan and we handed them out like uh, Beanie Babies and stuff like that to all the kids and candy and it's really funny to give one of those little kids that's never had anything spicy before a whole box of hot tamale because they don't know so this kid just crams the whole box of oh, hot tamales yeah. in his mouth and just goes to town because it's it tastes good. Starts, yeah. Oh, dude! And he just starts sweating, and you just see. And the kid's not gonna like. He's not gonna cry. He's not gonna be like these kids are tough. Yeah. These kids don't cry. He's, cry. he's not gonna cry. He's not gonna do anything. He's just gonna look at you, and tears are just gonna start rolling out of this kid's eyes, just because he's like. And like I, I felt bad the first time I ever like gave one to a kid. I didn't give him to like kids like you know just to hurt their feelings. No. I just didn't realize that he didn't because they were like, one of your favorite candies growing up. Yeah, I he didn't. I didn't realize that it was going that. It was going to happen like that, like that he was going to yeah. shove the whole thing in his mouth. And I also didn't realize that like in Afghanistan, I guess there's not much spicy food available. Makes sense. Yeah. That was interesting. Uh, we would run out of food a lot and uh, we just got so tired of eating MREs because they just, they're, they're, I, I have stomach issues from those. I yeah. know that some of the stuff that I've eaten in the military, like, oof.
0: In my uh, nutrition science classes and stuff like that, we've talked about MREs and, how they've evolved even since you've gotten out I think they're mm-hmm. a lot better now nutritionally because the military hired a bunch of nutrition scientists to actually yeah. remake them they're still the same concept of the whole water and the chemical process they pizza it up yeah. and I can tell you how that works but I don't want to put anybody to sleep but yeah I think we nutritionally have packed them with a lot more stuff so I think they're better now nutritionally taste wise yeah. I, mean, I think they're still awful taste wise from what I've heard
1: No nah, I wasn't worried about it taste wise just what it did to me it would right. just mess your stomach up
0: not what you're trying to do when you're getting shot at
1: mhm and then we would get, like, what they called field rats, and they would just be, like, uh, these big trays that work the same as MREs, but instead of being, like, one meal or one... Uh, an MRE technically is a 24-hour meal. You're supposed to eat that one MRE over a 24-hour.
0: What, it's like 2,000 calories in just that one meal or something? Yeah. When you're in there fighting like that, you're burning, like, 5,000 calories a day, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this this Apple Watch is, uh I, I'm surprised at how many calories I'm burning. I'm literally, like, sitting around the house and, like, cutting a little bit of grass and stuff here and there, and I'm still burning, like... 2,500 to 3,000 calories a day. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what it's going to think whenever I go back to work and I start burning like oh, yeah. 7,000 calories in a day. Because I... You've seen me. I usually... I'm at work. I, I move. I sprint all day. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. But, it
0: sounds like the mission you were there for was more so just to... It's kind of like a public relations kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a peacekeeping type of thing. But at the same time, uh, the
0: people you were going to get are the same people that were probably threatening the locals for collaborating yeah. with you guys.
1: Yeah, they were the guys that were that were blowing people up, and they were the guys, I mean, we've seen, I've seen some guys get, some, some folks get hurt yeah, and killed, yeah. and a lot by these guys.
0: Because um, for people who don't realize, not every single person in Afghanistan wants to kill Americans. No. I think most of them don't want to kill Americans. Most? most of them want Americans there.
1: So I treated 357 casualties. When I was in Afghanistan, and most of them, almost none of them were Americans. Uh, they were all just people. Yeah. And it, um, uh, like, I mean, we had to we had to treat like Taliban and stuff, and like ISIS. Like, we had to actually treat those casualties because, of, according to the Geneva Convention, we can't turn down any anybody right. that's coming for medical aid. So, like, these guys would shoot at us. We would shoot them, and then we would have to come patch them up.
0: Yeah. I mean, you take a prisoner at that point, I'm sure, but. Yeah. You can't let them die. As much as you probably would want to in that situation, it's just like
1: yeah, because they just you know shot your buddy over here. Yeah. But uh, we, um, it was a lot. It was a lot of kids and stuff that got hurt. a lot of what I treated would be just like you know, some little boy comes rolling through and his arms like black, and you're like, what the hell happened to you? And he's like, oh, I got bit by a snake three days ago. And you're like, oh. And then we've got to, like, amputate this kid's arm and stuff. Yeah. And, like, well, we don't do it. We would send him to a hospital. Um, and, like, stuff like that. Or it would be, like, I remember we had this kid that uh, apparently he was doing something. He fell down a well. Oh, jeez. And, uh, like, landed on his head. And it almost killed him. Like, his, like the top of his skull was fractured. Like, I, I know what brains look like. Yeah. I've touched them. You know? And I'm, like, sticking this kid's brains back in. Uh, I mean, stuff like that is... You know, or it'd be some guy that, you know, got into some, like, police officer that uh, got into, like, a firefight with some Taliban and got shot. And then they would just bring him in the back of a truck. Something like that. That's a lot of what I treated. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to know about Afghanistan? Where in Afghanistan, were you? I was in uh, the Helmand province. I was in southern Afghanistan. Uh, and, like, uh, we were around the city of, like, Del Ram area.
0: Was that, was that like the mountainous region or the pretty like flat sandy? Pretty
1: flat. We could see like, uh, far out there, we could see mountains in pretty much every direction, but it was, where we were at was pretty flat, which makes you extremely vulnerable.
0: Right. Because you can see wherever you are.
1: Well, like we had, uh, we had a guy, uh, shooting at us, a sniper, uh, and he, he was so far away whenever he hit one of our guys, he hit him right in the head. Uh, we didn't lose anybody, but he hit him right in the head, and it was—he was, he was some, from so far away that the bullet lost so much velocity it didn't penetrate his helmet.
0: Did it bounce or did it, yeah? Just bounce? it stuck. Stuck it
1: stuck in his helmet. He ended up—I mean—just on his ass, just flat on his back. Well, because there's a lot of momentum carried yeah.
0: by a small round. You know, force equals mass times velocity, and when velocity is super high, yeah, no matter how small the mass is.
1: And I mean, it just put him down, and he just kind of got back up, and I was like, "Dude, you're the luckiest person. I took his helmet off, alive.
0: That—that like, oh, that sucks.
1: Yeah." We ended up finding this dude like three days later. It took us like three days to find him. We finally found him because he was cooking something. So he had barricaded himself inside of a big-ass pile of hay. And he was living. He had like shored up the inside of this like pile of hay. And we see steam coming out of it. We're like, there's not supposed to be steam coming out (laughs) of this pile of hay. Yeah. So we uh, ended up kind of sneaking over there and checking it out. And uh, sure enough, there's a little... We look in there and like back in this pile of haze, this little window area, and there's a rifle sitting there. we were like, "All right, so there's our sniper." So we popped a grenade in it and blew it up, and there he was. Sure enough. So yeah, this guy was. I I can't remember how far away this guy this guy was.
0: Good shot. Apparently.
1: He was a really good shot. A real lucky shot. He tortured us all day for days. There's nothing quite like you know just. Standing there and just you know, it just comes past your head, or it hits the wood right above your head and just the wood explodes. There's nothing quite and like that. The crazy that.
0: thing about that is, like those people, that's like he has fulfilled his purpose in life, is how he feels about that. Because well, that he's guy was tormented. actually Cambodian, was he? Okay, so yep. why was he there?
1: Uh, they're mercenaries. They get hired by and they get whoever, paid whatever organization is, yeah. and they all get paid per per head per person wow. they kill.
0: He didn't make too much money then. He didn't make any money because he uh, didn't make it back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, He got nothing. We win. You got everything he deserved. We won that one. Yeah, we had that. I mean, a bunch of stuff. A bunch of IEDs. A bunch of explosives. I had a guy come just walk up to me one day and hand me a bag. And I was like, what's this? And he just kept saying something. I couldn't understand him. So I called my interpreter over there. And my interpreter was like, dude, you need to get rid of that bag. And I was like, what is it? And he was like, this guy just handed you an IED that he found on the ground. Huh. And I was like, "Thanks, man." I appreciate it. And sure it. enough, it, yeah, it's like it's like a five like five pounds of explosives and a pressure plate detonator just in it a bag. the from you. I was holding it. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm sitting here holding it, and I like was like, "What?" And the bag was all tied up, so I untied the bag, looked at it, and was like, "Oh shit!" And we had caught EOD, and EOD came and like blew it up and stuff. That was interesting. Not a good time. That was interesting.
0: You told me the story that one time where you got the RPG hit the wall behind you, cracked your phone case, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, RPG flew so close to my face that it burnt my goggles. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it blew up right behind us. And then, yeah, we had another one where we were sitting there cleaning rifles. We were just cleaning, because we had a uh, couple sets of like machine guns and stuff that we would keep on post. And we would swap them out every post, because it was just so sandy and nasty. Yeah. Uh, and so we would, like, swap them out and then go clean them real quick, clean them up. And, uh, yeah, we're sitting there cleaning these, and this, yeah, the wall behind us just explodes and uh, just throws everything on top of us. And it was funny, because me, every time something like that would happen, my buddy Goff, uh he always thought he got shot. Because oh, I would throw whatever I was drinking at him.
0: Oh, and then he'd feel the moisture?
1: Yeah, he would just feel something like hit him in the back of the head, and it would be cold, and he was like, that's it, I'm dead. I'm dead. And, I'm, and really, it was just like, you know, some water. But it would just be like... Like, it would happen, and it would happen so fast, we would all just jump up off the table, grab our stuff, and, like, hop up on the roof and try to find out, you know, where it's coming from. Or we would, like, run out the front gate and, like, go chase these dudes down. And it would, um, yeah, every time it would happen, I would always be drinking something. And it would just, whatever I had was in my hand, and obviously it just went right over my shoulder. And for some reason, he happened to be there. Oh, you weren't every even intentionally time. putting nah, water. No, I you. wasn't intentionally doing anything. I just was. Like, pretty Phew. sick joke if you were. Yeah, it would be. It would be. It sounds like something we would do. To it sounds each other. like something you would
0: do. Yeah,
1: it does. Uh, dude, Afghan kids are mean. They would uh, they would run up behind us and throw firecrackers at us and stuff while we were on patrol, and uh, or take, they would take and blow up like plastic bags, like paper bags, and like run up behind us and pop them.
0: Was this all of them or just a few of them?
1: Uh, a few of them, the not every, not every single for the terrorist one. Organizations, yeah, of? or people just hated us. Yeah. It's, hated us
0: because you weren't them just
1: yeah they would just cuss us out every day and throw stuff at us hit us with rocks a lot they didn't not kids realize kids. that you
0: were there to hopefully get them a better life or
1: yeah i'd be like dude i just gave you like a snickers bar and some hot tamales yesterday and now you're gonna throw a rock at it, me it was the hot tamales that's why yeah that or anything like i just gave you like this i gave you five bucks yesterday like what do you why are you mad at me yeah, you know like how a five, dollars five, yeah yeah like you know how much money i just gave you and You know, you were ecstatic that I just gave you five bucks, and I gave you five bucks because you're cute. And then you're gonna turn around and throw a rock at me today. Uh, We got to a point where we were arresting kids for doing that. We would literally like arrest them, put them in handcuffs, and make their parents come bail them out. Parents, yeah. And uh, the parents would fix it. They would fix it. They wouldn't do that again. Yeah, not really. Uh, Then they would do. They would start doing stuff like they would draw pictures of us, of them blowing us up and give them to us and I was like yeah I don't think we're wanted here by these that's kids that's so anymore. crazy to
0: me though like what was in, what was making them do that just
1: hatred just pure but, hatred Like, where
0: where was that hatred coming from like do were they just misinformed by the fact that you guys were there to help them and make them help yeah. them in better lives And
1: either that or maybe you know this one kid down the road we killed his dad six years ago because you know collateral he tried damage. to kill us or collateral yeah. damage or maybe he was ISIS or maybe he was something and uh
0: and that's why in every like
1: that's all isis is is the original taliban's kids right like that's, well, that's all like, i feel like in it every, is every
0: um what is it like the the big room at the main bases that they have like the computers that they radio in all their artillery strikes and the air strikes and stuff they mm-hmm. only have lawyers sitting there too mm-hmm. Yeah, Mm-hmm. They're, they're basically determining is it worth it risking getting in bad legal standings with these people over saving oh. our people
1: oh yeah it was hardcore uh I remember we had some JAG lawyer come see us whenever he was – I remember he was a major. He came and saw us, and he literally told us, he was like, listen, no matter what happens, no civilian is going to get killed. He was like, I guarantee I'd rather lose two of you than one of them. And I was like, wow, thanks, bud. That's
0: because his job depends on you guys, you know, them not getting killed. He didn't really care about you guys. That's – Yeah. Messed up, But
1: It was tough. That was, uh, that was no fun.
0: What was it like when you were getting towards the end of that deployment and like about to head home? How'd that feel?
1: It felt nice to finally get a shower. Yeah. Uh, I took three showers in seven months.
0: I've always felt like yeah. if I was, was in a situation where I was overseas for a long time, once I got closer to the end, I feel like I would get more and more anxious.
1: Yeah, I was pretty anxious. Like I made it this far, I can't. Especially, I can't get messed up now. Especially at the time, the girl that I was with was cheating on me the whole time, and yeah. I had just found out about it, and you know, that uh, was uh not really excited to come home and face that, especially after all the stuff that I had been through. I was right. just kind of dead inside. Like, um, yeah. My mom always told me she was like, "You just were so different whenever you came home." She's like, "You left and you're this happy, you know, go lucky dude," and you just came home and it was like everything that was good just died. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I can see that. That's kind of that's kind of how it is.
0: I think you've gotten a lot better from the yeah. subsequent half decade since
1: then. Yeah. Yeah, 2012 is when I deployed. Yeah, that has been eight years. Crazy.
0: What was the flight home like when you finally landed? All that?
1: Uh, it sucked. We landed and we got we got there and we're so excited. Like all we want to do is see our families. All right. we want to do is get there. But you had to do and, the
0: equipment and check in and all and that. And it's
1: just wait. It's just wait and wait and wait and wait. Like it took us like it took us like six hours to. Well, turn what in it's work. like to be in the military or, yeah, in one yeah, sentence. It was, like, four. Yeah. It took us like four hours to turn in rifles. I was like, do they really have to be cleaned right now? Hurry up and wait. wait. Can I just give you my rifle and come back tomorrow and clean it? Like, I just (laughs) really want to go see my mom. I was like, she's she's 200 feet that way and I can't go see her because you won't let me leave until I turn in my rifle and I turn in this and turn in that.
0: I don't remember where I was when you got home, actually. I don't even remember remember the first time I saw you after you got home.
1: I can't remember either. It was late. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that. I can't remember. School or something. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, because it was just your parents, my parents, and the chick I was talking to at the time. Yeah, that was it. And uh, yeah, so I immediately I didn't say anything to her. Whenever I found out she cheated on me, I just didn't say anything. I just got home, and she thought everything was cool, and I would never find out. And I just broke up with her and kicked her to the curb.
0: Yeah. There's a
1: little bit of satisfaction there. She deserved it. Yeah. Loser. Yeah um yeah that was a that was a strange experience just coming home it was just so different and it was coming home to nothing like and then there's all these people that didn't go on deployment with you yeah and they're just like hey man hey how's it going did you kill anybody and you're like dude just shut up Like the one
0: question you don't ask anybody ever
1: and you're just like dude just shut up (laughs) just stay over there
0: or people that had just done nothing but sit at base the entire deployment that kind of stuff too
1: yeah that's that's what i'm talking about just those guys
0: the people Set who pain. didn't actually deploy. Well, yeah. You
1: know. Those people make me really mad. The people that, like, because uh, we had a guy that was working at Audi and he was like, uh, he was Air Force or something like that. And he was telling me about all the stuff he did to make sure that he went into a non deployable unit because he, was, he didn't want to deploy. And I was like, why'd you join the military if you don't want to fight? Well, to be fair,
0: I think what, like, only 2 or 3% of people who ever join the military ever see combat. Like, yeah. it's a very small amount. Yeah, it's not a lot. People just think like the military is nothing but jumping out of planes and shooting people, and it's just very yep. far from that. Very, very. There's far. There's logistics and IT and cyberspace now, and, and like cooks. everything cooks and whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's people that literally there's their job to like monitor Facebook of the Marine Corps
0: to make sure nobody's posting anything they shouldn't. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh yeah,
1: like you can't like especially like before you deploy and stuff like that, and whenever you come back, like you can't talk, you can't tell anybody where you're going when you're coming back anything. And whenever you do, whenever you leave, you never really know.
0: Yeah. When you're going to actually that's leave. intentional, I'm sure too. Yeah.
1: It's so that you can't tell anybody. Right. You can't it, be like, or "Hey, I'm home in 3 days." Yeah,
0: or you to get captured, you can't tell anybody yeah. really anything.
1: I was there for the uh the bombing and uh there was uh they blew That's bloke.
0: right, Prince Harry, right?
1: Yeah, I was there for that. I was sitting there uh at the Pizza Hut on Camp Bastion in Afghanistan. They have
0: Pizza Huts in Afghanistan. It too. was
1: one Pizza Hut, dude. It was thirty dollars for a medium pizza. Worth every penny, I'm sure. It was the suckiest medium. It was like <laughs> I, would, I would, It was like, yeah. Here's this like warmed up DiGiorno. Like we, I, like it's been. This is the second time it's been thrown in the microwave DiGiorno. Yeah. And that was the quote unquote Pizza Hut, but nice. it was. I mean, I would have rather just went to like a regular chow hall or something like that. Wow, okay. Because the the chow halls they had in Afghanistan were all international. Okay. So you never knew what was gonna be there, and they were huge. And it was some of the best food I've ever had. I've heard had. the food
0: from, like, the Afghanistan culture is pretty good, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, we cooked a lot of it. Um, we, we made a lot of Afghan food. Because, like, like I said, we, were like, ran out of food so much that we were, like, trading stuff and, like, buying goats and, like, chickens. And we were, like, slaughtering goats and chickens and Jesus. cooking them. And all we had to cook with was we had, like, a barrel. It was an old, like, fuel barrel. And we just had wood and a piece of, like, wire. And then we bought some pots and pans from a lady out in town, and we just had like some pots and pans and vegetable oil, and we were just making. And then you you got know? taught
0: by the locals how to make their stuff.
1: Yeah, and they would, they would teach us. I can actually get you some recipes if you want some. Please do, actually.
0: Yeah. You know how I am. I love cooking and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can get you some recipes on some cool stuff. There's like all these cool like, soups and stuff like that that they make. There's one that's uh, really good. It's called Sick Soup, and it's just, dude, if you're sick... It's probably what, just a bunch of like what? It's a bunch of like
0: lamb, garb. goat, and I'm saying they're, in general their cuisines, but like lamb, goat, and grains, yeah, and chicken, pasta.
1: goats, a lot of grain. Not really, not not really a lot of pot. Just a lot of rice, a lot of rice. Everything's got rice, and a lot of bread, a lot of bread. That's yeah, I
0: mean pasta, it's I mean like uh, like, yeah.
1: just like off, like it's kind of like it's kind of like non bread. We we call it foot bread because they make it they make it with their feet like on the ground.
0: Oh, they like step on it and stuff.
1: Yeah, they like knead it all with their feet and stuff, which I mean it's really gross. Because this dude, most people don't really wear, like, shoes. Most yeah. of the guys don't really wear, like, shoes and but. stuff like that. They wear, like, these, like, little sandals. And, like, literally, there's no, like, bathrooms. So whatever they do, they just do it wherever they do it. And you step in it a lot. Yeah. It's okay. everywhere.
0: When you're in that setting, though, you eat what you can get.
1: Yeah. And, uh, but the footbread was awesome. And they used to just come give it to us. Like, uh, the guy that was across the street, we used to, like, kind of take care of him. We would kind of look out for him. He was a baker. There was a guy, that was a baker, and then right next to him was a barbershop, hmm. it was just, which was just a guy with, like, a pair of clippers. Okay. And uh, they were lovers as well, which
0: was kind of cool. Two dudes in Afghanistan? No. Nah. I feel like that wouldn't be okay in that culture. No, nah, that's, that's pretty normal. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's pretty normal. I've always heard stories of, like, ISIS like just murdering gay people and all that stuff. No. Nah.
1: Well, maybe ISIS, but ISIS, they're just different. They're different, yeah. They're right. different from, like, most, like, regular Afghan
0: People. What was the, uh, the Prince Harry story you were saying? Yes. When we talked about Pizza was, Hut?
1: Yeah. The, I was just sitting there at Pizza Hut at a picnic table, me and a buddy of mine just eating some pizza, and all of a sudden the Pizza Hut just gets blown up. Oh, and a pizza bunch hut. of stuff around it. Well, they threw, uh, they started launching mortars and rockets over the, over the fence and it can't blow the neck. It just was, I mean, they, they, they hurt some folks. Yeah. They hurt some people. And that was on the British side because Prince Harry was there and they were trying to blow him up. And we were like, I was there. Uh, that was intense. That was like, right. I was like, dude, I made it through deployment. I'm literally waiting to leave and this happens. Like, come on, man. Great, like, you
0: got you were, you were worried about having to stay there for longer because you wouldn't be able to leave because they were trying to like, kill Prince Harry and all that. Yeah. Well, I was also, I mean, I almost got blown up. Yeah. Well, that I was just chilling. That's important, too. Yeah. I was just chilling. I almost <laughs> got blown up. So, like, the subsequent years after getting, well, I don't know. How long were you in the Marine Corps? Two years after Afghanistan? Yeah, something like that. That, that subsequent year. period of time, was it? Pretty uneventful, pretty boring.
1: Yeah, it was just me going, trying out for like MARSOC. And then I did a bunch of cool stuff. Like, you uh, up going to be like a rifle coach and stuff like that. Pistol coach and um, trying out for a bunch of different, you know, crazy stuff. I ended up being like McQuist certified, which is like the Marine Corps water survival instructors. Um, yeah, well, I was a, whenever I got out, I was a very, very salty Lance Corporal. I had, I mean, I was a black belt instructor. Like, I mean, I went. I need to hook you up with Louis.
0: I've told you about Louis before, my customer. He has the 720s, the Huracan, the, all that stuff. Yeah. He came in on Thursday this week, bought a 718 GT4, and then put deposits on a GT4 RS, GT3, GT3 RS, GT2 RS, and a 992 Turbo. Jesus Christ! All at the same time. That's he, like he sold us his G That's like
1: a couple hundred grand in deposits. This guy just uh, I don't in. think he put that big of a deposit nah. on him but How much just... is it the, the, cuz Audi requires a minimum or something like that like a like a buddy of mine is trying to get we're getting two RS6s. Avants. Uh-huh. Uh we're only getting two. And there's one that's pre-ordered and sold. And this guy he's obviously he's he's when it gets here he's just coming to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then the other one nobody's bought it yet. So a buddy of mine that uh I do uh, a lot of work on his S6 uh He's uh he's very peculiar. He only uh-huh. lets me touch that car. Like he won't even let the porters drive it. Like he's extremely peculiar. I've actually got to drive that car home, okay. and this is like it's like a seven hundred plus horsepower S six. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyways, he's trying to buy this RS six. They're making him put down five G's. Jesus, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think.
0: He's a really good customer, so I doubt we made him put down a ton.
1: Yeah, like they, they know like he's going to come get it.
0: He buys cars all the time. I, I don't know what the minimum deposit is. I couldn't imagine. You know, that, he, traded that kind of in, lifestyle. he traded in his G Wagon. He traded his AMG GTR. He oh, has Jesus. a Huracan. He had a GT3RS. Uh, traded for a 992, 992 4S. Traded that in. Uh, by, oh, He sold it on consignment through us. He gets in and out of cars all the time. Where yeah. I'm going with this is. He was a helicopter sniper for the Green Berets in the Army. So he literally would just fly in helicopters out the door helicopters and snipe people. That's cool. And so now he owns a company that does all the training for the Special Forces. At the, I think it's an army down like Bragg and across the country for the Army. I, I, need, I need to hook you up. I'll
1: totally him. go play. I will totally go play, go play uh, Bad Guy part-time. That's what I'm saying. I need to hook yeah. you up with him. I, lo- I loved whenever we did those training simulations and stuff. And I had whenever I wasn't the one like training for the next deployment now. And I got to uh, train other guys. I loved being the bad guys because I realized how stupid like young guys are. Yeah. That have never seen any well, kind of you know. Any... He's training
0: special forces guys though, so these yeah. guys are the best of the best.
1: Yeah, that's why I would really like. Uh, that would be fun to me. What's great about him is because like, that would actually be a challenge. Like other than that, I used to just literally just go mess with people.
0: He's never gonna hear this, but Louis is like the nicest dude you'll ever meet. Yeah, and his wife is the nicest person you'll ever meet. I'm sure the GT4 they bought was for her. Is for her to drive around. That's awesome. But they are both, like, the nicest people you ever meet, and they are both multi-multi-multi-millionaires. So I need to get you plugged My in buddy.
1: with them. Yeah. My buddy with the, the Huracan, he just uh, put a down payment on his wife's uh, RSQ8. Dude, the RSQ8, the one we got one in.
0: It's like a Cayenne Turbo S, basically, but the Audi version, right? Dude,
1: that thing will get sideways. Yeah. It like I'm talking completely sideways in a huge SUV. Yeah,
0: from a Cayenne Turbo, which I did when I drive those... They uh, they defy the laws of physics.
1: It's ridiculous. Like
0: 5,000, 6,000 six thousand pound cars should not move that fast. Yeah, 5,000,
1: 6,000 six thousand pound cars. You shouldn't be able to throw them into that corner, I think and so. it just takes it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it just eats that corner and just keeps on going.
0: It drives like a race car, and it's yeah, eight feet off the ground. And
1: you're getting you're getting your back massage while you're doing it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, you have you have heated, ventilated seats, heated steering wheel, and you're getting your back massage while you're doing right corners at you know Le Mans. It works. Yeah, I mean, they, it holds like they they're holding like records and stuff of like SUVs that have went through like the Nuremberg Ring and stuff.
0: I want to end like the first half of the podcast because then we'll take a break because the hour limit, whatever, on the recording stuff. Yeah. What was it like getting out of the Marine Corps and then I guess readapting to being quote unquote normal person?
1: Dude, it sucked. It was so it was so weird. So I like got out. I was making you know a decent a decent amount of money because I was a corporal. I lived out in town. I was married. So I was making – and we lived in, like, the cheapest place ever. I think yeah. my, my rent was, like, 450 bucks a month, but I also had 450 square feet.
0: And you were already with your wife at this point.
1: Yeah. And uh, so I was making decent money and like, what we were bringing in and stuff and what she was bringing in because she worked on base at a hotel. And uh, I went from that, and I think my first year out, I made $12,000 in a year. So I sold, like, everything that I could. Yeah, because like, you were just doing, like, odd and ends at that point, right? Yeah, I was just uh, – well, I worked at Gold's Gym for a minimum wage. And uh, I worked for the VA at at the school for a minimum wage, and that was those were at the time were the only two jobs that like I was even available to do. And then I was going to school full time. And the hard part with with like uh, the whole getting out and the reason so many vets are so angry is because there's so many like dumb high school kids and like I just got out of the Marine Corps. You know I did service in Afghanistan and this and that. Like I'm a mature adult at this point. Right. And you know, I've been through some stuff. I'm not trying to mess around. And then I've got these extremely disrespectful 18, 19-year-olds who are here on mommy, daddy's money, and they're talking shit to me because I'm using my GI Bill that I earned to go to school. To when
0: you're going to school? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that was just, that blew me away. They'd be like, why do you care? You're not paying for it. Like, actually... Neither are you. Neither are you. And you see these student loans that I had to get because the GI Bill didn't cover... Not even half of my school. To go to tech school, it didn't even cover half of my school. Yeah. Yeah. I still owe, like, 26 grand. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's
0: a feeling I know very well, but not in the same context as I you. I was only course. in school
1: for a year and a half. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, we'll take that, like, 50-something grand for, that like year and a half.
0: What was it like getting your, what's with DD-214? That's what their papers are called? Yeah, DD-214. Oh, what that was that feeling, feeling like? Grabbing it and just walking out the door?
1: Yeah, I. Uh, they said that I just disappeared. I remember, like the like a couple days later, my staff sergeant like calls me and is is like, and he leaves me this like nasty voicemail. It turns out he didn't even know I got out. Ugh. He had no clue. Goes he just like I mean, he cut he cussed me up one side, down the other, because I didn't come to work. And I was like, dude, I'm like half a state away. Like at that point, I got out, and we just got all our stuff, packed it up. And moved.
0: You went back to Rocky Mountain for a little bit and then you went to Charlotte to go to school?
1: No, I went straight to straight to Mooresville. I okay. went straight from Jacksonville to Mooresville. And uh,
0: So you were the entire state away.
1: Yeah, literally. I went from the, the beach to the mountains. Almost to the mountains. Like Almost up to the Charlotte. Mountains. I was like I don't know, a good six six hour drive,
0: five hour drive or something like that. Yeah. Um and that was to go to NASCAR Tech?
1: Yep. And I went there and that was it.
0: Well I miss
1: Mooresville. Mooresville was a cool town. Because it's just, if you like cars, that is the town you want to go to. Because right. every single person, every every driver it's the headquarters of NASCAR. in NASCAR is there. I mean, I had a buddy of mine that used to make, his job after school was building wiring harnesses for Formula E cars. That's what he did. And they would, like, there's a lot more down there than, than just NASCAR. Right. Like, the Red Bull rally team was across the street oh. from my school. The
0: Haas F1 team's down there. We just got down yeah. watching an AF1 race, but yeah.
1: Yeah, the uh the guys I mean literally across the street from me was the the rally team. The Red Bull rally team was literally directly across Never the street. Never watched
0: rally racing like live, but I've watched videos of it I'm insane what well, those it's, dudes do.
1: Those dudes are some of the best drivers in the world. I don't know. How those do dudes it. are in are just crazy. And I'm like like I used to party with these guys. Yeah. Like across the street from the school. Like we would go over there and like a couple of us that, like, work for the VA and work for the school, we kind of got cool with these guys. We'd go over there, and we'd be checking out, like, you know, these couple hundred thousand dollar rally cars and, you know, all this crazy technology and stuff. They've got into these cars, and we're hanging out, like, drinking beers and barbecue And, and, then, and you know, in the shop and, then like, working on a rally car.
0: And they drift around mountains going 100 miles an hour in their free time?
1: Yeah. Yeah, all over the world.
0: <sighs> Couldn't do it. It's awesome. I'm a pretty crazy driver, but I cannot drive a rally car.
1: Yeah, I want to. I really that's an experience that I would love to uh love to do. I really I, want to jump out of a plane again.
0: That was fun. Yeah. You wanna segue into that, we can take a break and talk about skydiving? We can
1: do that. Cool.
0: So is skydiving a hobby you're gonna to try to get into or just you just wanna go occasionally?
1: I mean, I would if I could afford it, it would definitely be a hobby that I would get into. It's just, that's, I got other places I got to put my money right now.
0: Do you want to tell the story about uh, the first time you went skydiving and it was a total surprise to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So my uh, my wife woke me up on my birthday and she hands me like a little card. And she's, it just says, uh, like, happy birthday, baby. Surprise, we're going skydiving today. And I'm like, oh. Okay. But the kind well, of person you
0: are, that doesn't bother you at all. You're yeah. saying like, hey, cool, let's do it.
1: I was like I was like, Hell yeah, let's go. I was like, let's go right now. So we packed up the kid and we hopped in the car and your mom met us down there. Because
0: yeah, your wife mm-hmm. and my mom had collaborated yeah. on this entire thing.
1: And then we didn't have enough money to do like the full like with the video, the guy that like jumped with us, uh-huh. did the video and all that kind of stuff. We were just gonna do the jump. And uh, your mom was like, no, you're going to do the jump. You're going to do the video. You're getting the top package. the and video for cool. the rest of it. I have it. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to do the, the top package. I have, here's the rest of the money. You're going to do the whole thing. And we were like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then she watched Noah while we, uh, she watched my son while we jumped out of the plane. And that was like the coolest thing. And those dudes, I could be best friends with those guys. Tomorrow. Well, they're
0: all former special forces. They're paratroopers yeah. and all that. Yeah, like we
1: get along. There were so many like gay jokes, cracked and stuff like that. I mean, there's just so many jokes. Like Amanda was not having it.
0: Oh, yeah. but She
1: was not having Like we start flying up and she's like, don't worry, Amanda, blah, blah, blah. We haven't lost anybody today. Okay, it's no big <laughs> deal and all this kind of stuff. And, and she's- that's what you're used to. Then, like, me, yeah, I'm, like, huh. I'm, like, looking at her, like, pointing and laughing at her and stuff. And she's looking at me, like, I'm going to beat your ass whenever <laughs> we get home. And she's, like, like, I mean, just so scared. And I'm over here. I was, like, you can see I was, I, I, in the video, you could tell I was, like, kind of, like, Ugh. like we're up here. They did an the right. interview
0: and all that stuff. Too. Yeah,
1: they did, like, the whole interview and stuff. And he's, like, you excited? And I'm just kind of looking around, you know, the whole interview. Because I just, I, I love flying, too. And I'm just, like, looking out the window, trying to look out the window. And then I'm looking at her, and she's, like, I'm scared that she's gonna like freak out, like so bad. And uh, she didn't; she held it together. But she said the one thing that made it to where she didn't freak out was that the guy uh, like just gets like right her ear. He's like, "Listen, girl. He's like, I got kids too, and they're gonna be really upset if daddy don't come home tonight. So we're not gonna worry about it." And she said at that point it was just like, we're like cool. the entire yeah we're cool. weight was lifted off. And then I remember she was screaming so loud. During freefall, I could hear her, and I was freefalling. <laughs> like I'm free falling, There's wind, obviously. You <laughs> might have imagined that. I don't know. That was, no. yeah, I don't think that that's girl possible. Whenever we landed, that the she landed right after me. The the guy like hits the ground. He goes, "Oh my god, girl, you got a set of lungs on you." <laughs> the guy that was like the her yeah. tandem guy was like, "You got a set of lungs on you, girl," because she was just. Wah! Like we we uh whenever we ride roller coasters like Kings Dominion and stuff yeah. if she rides like the intimidator or something like that she'll scream so loud she'll pass out. Like you'll I'll watch her like ah! and then just asleep. Yeah. And then wake up and ah! right back to it like nothing like nothing changed. That's and funny. it won't even be like in the first run or like in the drop. It'll be like randomly throughout the ride. It'll be like going down. I so feel like
0: after skydiving, roller coasters don't do anything for me anymore. Yeah, after I mean, skydiving and driving very nice cars, like yeah. roller coasters are nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, you just get you get so jaded, you get so jaded on so yeah. many things.
0: I got fussed doing, at
1: like what we do.
0: I got fussed at at work one time for calling an i eleven four slow. Yeah, because it is. But I mean, it is relative
1: to. It's like compared to stuff that I've driven, stuff that's out there. Like I've driven a twin turbo Gallardo. And like we're that talking, was a thousand plus horsepower. It was uh eighteen hundred horsepower. Jesus Christ. I've driven an eighteen hundred horsepower rocket ship. And it just it just hurts. You drove a roller coaster. Yeah. Like it just hurts. That that car, whenever it shifts gears, it feels like something's punching you in the back.
0: Yeah. Like it hurts. Because it's a sudden loss of power and then it all comes back again. Yeah,
1: it all just comes back right in the back of your head. And it just like your head bounces off the seat between gears. There's ships. a reason
0: you have a six point harness on probably in that car, I assume.
1: No, we just factory seat belts. Was okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little different. You am slide like all the, over the car. I live, uh, I live a little dangerously. Sure. Not, the seats in the old guard hold you hold you in pretty well. It was, uh, it was uh, uh, Super Legera. So it was the, uh, the super light version.
0: The one brand been. I haven't driven is Lamborghinis.
1: Well, uh, whenever my buddy comes down uh, for me to do the wing on his Huracan, I will, uh, I will come get you. And his Huracan's not like most Huracans. His is actually like... Uh, like you, You've seen a few Huracans coming out, Audi, yeah. right? Uh, like a few like a few Huracans and some stuff will come out. And like we, we've driven them and stuff. But the, his is like fully tuned, yeah. full exhaust. Uh, these, Titanium exhaust. yeah, Screaming. All of these Huracans that come into Audi are like base. Like base model. Every single one of them has been like base model. We had one 2020 Huracan Evo come in. All the rest of them are literally like rear wheel drive base model Huracan. Yeah, I mean
0: it's the R eight with a Lambo yeah. body kit on it.
1: Yeah, it's the rear wheel drive R eight with a Lambo body kit on it. So I mean it's not I don't even think they hit two hundred two hundred grand for the base.
0: Maybe I don't know. For the
1: base rear wheel drive I don't think it's I don't think they're even I don't think they're two hundred.
0: But yeah. I, I mean I've driven Porsche, Ferrari, McLaren, Bentley, whatever you name it. I haven't I have driven not Lamborghini. Driven Lambo. And I grew up being a massive Lamborghini fan, probably yeah. because of you. But yeah.
1: That's my goal, is to work for Lamborghini. Did I tell you, Corey turned down a job to work for Lamborghini. Oh, you probably
0: wanted to slap him.
1: Lam- it was uh, Lamborghini, Koenigsegg, and Bugatti dealership. So I was like, dude, you're telling me you could have literally worked on two out of three of my favorite car brands in the entire world, which is obviously Koenigsegg and Lamborghini. Yeah. I'm not a huge Bugatti fan. They're cool, but I just think they're way over. Oh, they said
0: Pagani. I was about to say, like, really Pagani. No, Pagani,
1: it? I'm right there. I'm all about some Pagani. Uh, actually the, one of the first cars and coffees I ever saw at, uh, at Porsche, where you're at, uh, Pagani showed up. Oh. Yeah. It was an older, it was an older Zonda. Just pulls up out of nowhere. Nice. And then this guy just like, pulls up. He doesn't even get out. He just rolls through the parking lot, looks at all the cars, big dicks everybody and pulls off. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I just shut everything down. Yeah, nobody's
0: here to compete with me. I'm just going to keep going.
1: Yeah. He's like, no one can possibly even think of competing with what I just pulled up in. So I'm just going to roll out.
0: I think the coolest stuff we get on a regular basis is like McLaren 720S. We don't really get anything crazy lately. We haven't at least.
1: Uh, The one time I did see a Huracan and a Viper come out of the parking lot at Porsche and race. Well, yeah. And that was cool.
0: They're pretty run of the I don't want to say run-of-the-mill. I know people are going to get mad because I'm so jaded. But they're pretty run-of-the-mill things. You see Huracans all the time, really. Yeah. Viper's it's, not as much, but...
1: No. Nah, uh, we had a Viper get pinned in a tree. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't there. This was a story that I've been I've been told so many times. But apparently, you know how the old Vipers... like You had to know how to drive Yeah, to drive that car. That For was sure. a driver's car. They
0: didn't give you any assistance.
1: Well, apparently this guy picked up his car from the body shop right down the street. Literally picked up his car came down went to the Dodge dealership across the street across from us. the street from us yeah uh got his new wheel caps put his wheel caps on pulled out of the parking lot tried to show off flipped landed up in a tree and had to get jaws of life out oh god yeah apparently they, he was stuck in the tree for like 45 minutes while they were like while they were getting there and getting you know jaws of life and stuff set up and he's just stuck in the car off the ground, and was people are good. sitting there taking pictures of it. Was him. he okay? Yeah, he was just extremely upset. I was like, dude, you haven't even had this car back out of the body shop for an
0: hour. Oh,
1: now and it's you totaled. just totaled it.
0: It's like we had the guy, I don't know if you were there, it's two, three months ago, the guy put his uh, Hellcat in track mode. I watched that happen. Yeah, he started. doing. I throwing, watched that. He's, he pulls out I of the dealership. Over. Yeah, I
1: ran over to the guy.
0: The guy hit that tree so hard, both his headlights shot out. I know. Yeah. So, like, for people who don't know how to for people who don't really drive high-performance stuff, if you're flooring the car and the rear end starts to get all wobbly and squiggly, that is the worst possible time you could ever lift off the throttle. Yeah.
1: Just stay keep in it. Your thr- keep your foot down and straighten the car out. That's it. Yeah. You just, if, if anything, put it all the way down. Because as soon
0: as you lift, all the momentum goes to the front of the car, and all the rear tires, they were losing grip. Have no weight on them, and they just lost so now all they just their grip. Lost all their grip, and the car is going wherever it wants to at this point. You're not controlling yeah. the car. All you heard, I, I, I mean, it was an impressive burnout at first. You heard wop, 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 wop,
1: and this guy's just smoke pouring out, and you just say
0: wop, boom.
1: boom, yeah, and that was it. We and heard it inside our building, like
0: half a mile away or yeah. four a mile
1: away. I, I was standing. I was literally going to get the next car, and I heard. I heard the burnout start going. I looked up and watched the wreck happen. And I was like, oh shit. And I ran over to the dude. And then the dude gets out of the car and he's like, I don't know what happened, man. I don't know. And he, you could just tell this dude was just, he was your run of, run of the mill. I mean, the dude had his Instagram on the side of the car. Right. Type of dude. Yeah. Your run of the mill, like, oh yeah, I finally power washed enough houses now that I bought a Hellcat. You know, I've finally been, you know, screwing people out of money long enough now that I, uh, I bought a Hellcat and uh, just totaled it. And now I'm going to
0: act like an asshole. Driving at a at a very high level is very. Uh, you gotta be quick. Well, not only that, but like you have to be able to think about many things at a time. It's not as simple as gas, no. brake, steer.
1: No. Especially driving something like that, Jesus Christ.
0: I think the hardest thing people don't it takes people to wrap their head around is the weight transfer of a car mm-hmm. and understanding that each tire has a finite amount of grip and being able to go, you know. Especially on the corners, you're pitching the weight from one side to the other, or you're braking, you're loading up those front wheels. That's why, if you look at like on a high performance car, I mean, maybe my Civic's probably not a good example, but go outside, look at your car, look at the front brakes, look at the rear brakes. Oh, yeah. The The front brakes are so much bigger.
1: Yeah, the difference in braking. Even just braking required in the front. It's it's just, let's say
0: your car weighs 3,000 pounds. Well, yeah. 2,300 of those pounds are being put on that front end of that car whenever you're braking. Because all yeah. the inertia and momentum is towards the front of the car.
1: Yeah, it just slams everything towards because the front. Because think how you
0: feel when you're sitting in the passenger seat. You slam on the brakes, you get pulled towards the front. Yeah. The body of the car does the same thing. Yeah. And you have all this grip on those front tires and yep. not as much on the rear.
1: That's, why, that's how it works for uh, keeping that front going into the corner but then you gotta worry about the back end coming out.
0: Right, so that's when you move the brake bias backwards, and you can, yep. it's called trail braking, so when you're turning into the corner you keep a little bit of the brake onto it. Yep. And the reason you move your brake bias backwards is because you have so much grip in the front, and you only—you use all of it for braking usually, but if you have to turn and you're braking, you're either gonna lock it, or you're gonna lock it and spin the car. Yeah. If you don't have ABS. I that's mean, a of course, F. road cars have ABS, but.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting feeling.
0: Locking a front tire?
1: Uh, spinning a car, spinning an all-wheel drive car around. Yeah, because it's like pulling a handbrake all of a sudden. It's awesome.
0: It's not awesome if there's stuff nearby,
1: though. No, no. It's, it's, if you're doing it on on purpose, though, like messing around, it's, it's, it's a good time.
0: But say you're driving on a racetrack and you're going hundreds of, a couple of hundred, I don't think say yeah. couple hundred. Like a hundred and fifty, hundred and twenty, and thirty. Yeah. And you're just corner, 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 corner. You have three or four dozen things you have to think about in the, like in the midst of hundreds of a second. Yeah. And you had to be able to anticipate how the car is going to feel. And obviously, you don't think about all these things. You have to just And it's intuitively not like you know.
1: All you can do is react.
0: Most of the time. You can put the car in a you position where you yeah. know what it's gonna be doing. You can try to car.
1: predict, but at the same time you're all you're doing is your brain's just predicting and reacting and predicting and reacting. If you hit a patch of oil
0: that you can't see on the ground the size of a quarter, you can spin the car and put it into a wall. Yeah. Immediately and there's nothing you can do to stop it.
1: Absolutely nothing. And at that point, you can hit a, a pebble, Yeah. and the front end of that car is going to lift off the ground and go backwards. Yeah, because you're lifting it's the front end flip off the It's yeah. And yeah. all you did was hit like some jackass through a quarter on the track. Yeah. You know? Or threw something out on the track, and you just, you know, there you go.
0: I, most people don't know what it feels like to drive on the limit of the ability of a car. Like They feel like they're driving fast, and they feel like they're driving fast, but like...
1: Whenever you hit that limit, you know it.
0: Because I've driven, and like I've talked to you like going like, around like the roundabouts, the club roundabouts, to the point where... You're having to modulate the throttle because the car is sliding, going 75, 80 miles an hour yeah. around and around about. I know. That's fun. And you know you have to lift to get yourself more more grip. I don't want to go into the details of how all of this works, but you lift to get yourself more grip and then you get back on the power because you want to keep that minimum speed up and it's just... Yeah. It you, makes it a good time. You can feel the car sliding and just one slip up of a one degree off and yeah, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. More, more than good. likely going to have a bad day. Unless you're good, you can save it.
1: Yeah but you got to be really good and there's not much not much to work with and you know a clover no there's not much to work with there there's like, like there. drop
0: off and then there's guardrail on the inside yeah. so you yeah. maybe have three three or four feet on either side of the car mm-hmm. but it's fun especially when you get four of them interlocked you can just keep going around and around and around and around and around and around. then, around, then, around, then, around, then, around. then yeah. you overheat the left tires and you stop it's, that's a bad time
1: yeah because then they pop
0: but i've said before like I've never said on the podcast, but, like, having the racing simulator that I have has saved me so many times. Oh, yeah. Because I can drive a car on the limit in a simulator that's basically just like real life, and i have in the situations in real life, and it feels the exact same. Yeah. Like I've said to people know, I'm, before. I'm so
1: excited to check that thing out.
0: It's kind of weird. So, like, normal driving, when like I'm driving my car, you know, red light, thaw, speed limit feels like you're driving a car when I get to that point where you're driving on the limit of a car I don't even feel like I'm in the car anymore I just feel like I'm looking at my tv screen driving the simulator wheel yeah it just all those instincts kick in and they transfer really well actually
1: I'm excited excited to check it out
0: it's crazy it's paid for itself yeah in terms of maybe one day whenever
1: my four-year-old's not four anymore I can give me something cool like that yeah because uh, right now it's just going to get tore up yeah yeah if you have anything you better bolt it to the ground right put it up very high he's gonna get it what and then th- even if it's very high he's still gonna get it he's gonna find a way i caught him climbing all the way up on top of the bookshelf the other day
0: <laughs> it's a good thing he's like bulletproof and can't hurt himself that
1: kid is an animal we're gonna go fishing today that's all he wants to do
0: good what do you think are some misconceptions people have about bringing their cars to dealerships that are totally not true
1: uh, that we try to sell them stuff they don't need. I, Most yeah, definitely, I, know. I I know from personal experience that every single person in my shop, if we say you need tires, you need tires.
0: You're three thirty seconds or lower.
1: Yeah. Or you, you're, we're looking and we're like, yeah, you see this wire stuff hanging out the side of your wheel? Yeah, that's not good. Like, there's been there's been many times that like, they're like, no, you're just trying to sell me stuff, trying to sell me stuff, and I'm like, actually, uh, ma'am, will you come out here and look at this? Like, it's always, oh, you're trying to sell me stuff because I'm a girl or something I'm like I don't care what you are I'm trying to sell you this because I don't want you to die on your way home
0: when you're working on the car you don't know what the person looks like anyways yeah I have
1: no clue uh, the, I, I, don't, I don't care I'm not going to look no might look at you know I might look at your name just because I'm going to need to know that whenever yeah. I go back up there I'm going to because hey.
0: whoever their advisor is is going to be yeah. hey missus or missus such and yeah. such car how's that going Mr. Dick need, shit's
1: car needs wheels they're not going to give you your car number yeah. so. which that's actually a customer's name by the way what? Was Dick his name? shit. Wow. D i k s h i t. Wow. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly how you say it, apparently. Because I was like, I was like Kevin, like, how are you gonna say his <laughs> name whenever he comes in here? And he was like, I'm just gonna walk up to him and I'm gonna say, "Hello, Mr. Dick shit," no, and see what happens. And I was like, all right, cool. And the guy walks in, he's like, Mr. Dick shit, and the guy's like, yes. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, dude. And I just like, I had to. It was so hard to hold that in. Like I was like. Like, trying to hold in this laugh so hard that I just walked to the shop and was like, all right, I got to get out of here.
0: I would have gone with the first name at that point.
1: Yeah. Uh, I couldn't, I could not pronounce his first name either. I could not pronounce his first name. His first name was about, you know, 32 letters. It was crazy. Like, it's one of the most intricate first names I've ever seen in my
0: entire life. I've had a few of those. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I think I've sent you a couple. Yeah, you have. I can't remember off the top of my head any, any really good ones.
1: So you had uh, Tanya Sackrider.
0: Yeah, I had Sackrider. That was Sack a good Sackrider was a
1: good one. And the fact that her first name's Tanya, too. thats <laughs> actually like a chick. Tanya Sackrider. I was like, dude, that is amazing. That's one of my favorites that I've ever heard so far.
0: Oh, There's some good ones. But, yeah, no one's trying to sell you anything you don't need when you go to a car dealership. Yeah, like
1: if I tell you your brakes are done, it's because your brakes are done. It's because... They're they're
0: done. That's we it. We don't have they're that problem. They're worn we have, out. We have sensors that we say don't replace them until the sensors go off. Oh yeah, I
1: mean we have sensors too, but uh, for some reason a lot of a lot of cars like to they'll wear like the inside pad or they'll wear the wear the outer pad. Like people that do a lot of highway driving, yeah, that one front brake, that outer pad on that left front, Weird. because the car is it's going on the roundabout or the exit yeah. ramp and to the, the right. The car, the inside wheel, so the right was well, like yeah, it's usually the right front brake, uh, that brake is actually it's it's being used going around that roundabout it's riding that brake because it's slowing that tire down because that tire needs to spin less than the outer tire obviously because it's a shorter it's it's a shorter path in the right and um so that brake will just wear out faster than everything else but for some reason all the sensors are on the left side of the car there's not there's usually not brake sensors except for on like the higher end model Yes. They're usually not like an A three or something like that. They'll have a brake sensor on the front left of the car, and that's yes. it.
0: Your your nineteen ninety five Honda Civic is not individually braking wheels, but your brand new twenty twenty Audi, I am sure, has some sort of yeah all wheel control system that stability control that can individually modulate brake and power and throttle and torque and all that stuff. But yeah, that's why that's a problem on those cars. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea though. That, that you would think that Audi of all people would not have that problem.
1: Yeah. And I was just like, uh. but I mean, at the same time, it's, you know, it's an Audi. Like you, you buy it, you, you, it's expensive. They're, they're high maintenance cars. Yeah. You want to, you want to pay, you you got to pay to play. Yeah. You want to have the cool fast car, then you're going to have the cool fast car.
0: I feel like Audis are like the for like you might not see this cause you work for Audi, but like, I feel like they're kind of like the forgotten car brand when it comes to high performance foreign cars.
1: Yeah. And then there's those people that. That's all they care about.
0: Well, those people that, like, everybody loves, you know, your Porsche or Ferrari, Lamborghini, even BMW and Mercedes. But I never see someone say, oh, I'm just such a huge Audi fan. Let's are talking about the R8. We get
1: them. We get them. That's we, what I'm saying. You get those people yeah. with
0: no one else, really. You never really see them.
1: Yeah, because they only hang out at the Audi shops.
0: Because they only drive Audis.
1: Yeah. And, like, this guy, yeah, like, you you have people, we have customers, and, and like, this guy comes in, and he's like, yeah, this is my 15th Audi. I've had 15 Audis and it's like oh well what do you what do you like the most i've had 15 all roads you've Same had 15 model. of one car you just get a new one every year He just we get like a the, like they've had them all the way since the like 97 all road okay like the 97 all the way up to like i don't i don't even know. i can't remember what the first gen all road was but then there's like the A6 all road which is bigger and then the A4 all road which is smaller and it's just like you know it's just your regular like Avant. but it's got fender flares and different suspension
0: what are Audi people like then? Like, are they still like, like every, some of them regular are
1: regular car people, or are they just Audi purists? I've seen some like hardcorely like, Audi purists that are just like all they live, eat, sleep, and breathe is Audi. It's interesting. Like, oh yeah, I only drive Audis. My wife only drives Audis. All my kids only drive
0: Audis. What's the attraction to it though? Like, what do they love so much about Audis? <sighs>
1: I don't know. I mean, I love Audis. Just you know, driving them so much. Right. I, I mean. I don't know. I mean, uh, there's not very many cars out there that really handle like that. Yeah. Uh, like a regular, you know. Uh, like if you drive, like whenever I had my A4, I had a, a 2006 A4, and it was not. I mean, it was not really that nice of a car. Yeah. But that all-wheel drive it was system, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just unbeatable. Like I would have. I had summer tires on, and I'm literally driving through like downtown Raleigh and stuff in the snow, and I don't think my wheels slipped one time that I didn't want it to. Like, I literally could go straight up a hill on yeah. ice. Yeah, like, it would be in my apartment. You remember my old apartment complex. Yeah. Like, you had to drive down that hill to come in. That whole thing would ice up, and I could just drive straight up it, and not one single tire would spin. It was impressive. Um, that uh, all-wheel drive system. Apparently, Lexus also, uh, the new Lexus. Lexus also
0: has, like, a die-hard fan base, but, like, most yeah. people don't care for Lexus except for Lexus people.
1: Yeah. Well Lexus is uh the new all wheel drive Lexus is uh actually Quattro. They bought the
0: They bought the engineering yeah, back and all that
1: stuff. From from Audi.
0: But like with Porsche, there's like the Porsche way of doing things. Like oh, you know Porsche's. what you're gonna get with Porsche. Yeah. And Porsche that's the core There's the there's the Ferrari way of doing things and you know what you get from yeah. Ferrari, there's the Lamborghini way of doing things. I feel like the Audi way and I guess the Lexus way, like I don't know, people don't know about it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just not hip. I mean,
1: as I don't know. There's some I just don't understand. Some people that are just, I mean, hardcore Audi. Uh, a buddy of mine, that's all he lives, eats, sleeps, and breathes. Like, this dude can tell you from day one to, you know, where Audi came from. And he doesn't even work there. And I'm like, how do you know what each individual Audi ring stands for? And you don't even work here.
0: What does the individual Audi ring stand for?
1: It's the original four members of the auto union that came that came together. It was four different car companies that came together to Did make A U
0: D and I because that'd be really cool.
1: Uh no. Oh, no. I know one of them's Horsh. I can't remember all of them off the top of my Horses head right and now. H? Yeah. Okay. Yep. But we're talking in like the sixties that was going on. Okay. And they were coming. That's whenever like auto union and stuff came around. Yeah. It's like mid sixties, I believe. I've got an Audi history book if you ever want to check it out. Good. It goes all the way from the beginning of those cars, like Porsche and all that.
0: The new Audis, or the new Porsches are so Audi, or maybe the new it's Audis is so Porsche, but like, yeah. well, like the, the new, consumer level cars.
1: The A8, the new A8, if you get the 4 liter twin turbo, it's literally the exact same motor that's in the Panamera. It says Porsche on the side of the motor. And there's a lot of... Uh, it's a good thing for the Audi. Not oh such my a good god, thing for the there's so much Audi and Lamborghinis.
0: Yeah. Just the like, Huracan, uh, not so much the Aventador.
1: Oh, there's some stuff in the Aventador. Maybe parts, just, but yeah.
0: it's still a Lamborghini engine. Whereas, yeah, the what the V10 in the V10, Aventador or the Huracan is probably the same thing. The Audi it's puts the, puts the, the exact
1: Huracan. same thing as the Audi V10. Uh, the Audi V10 is just is tuned a little bit differently. Right, the Lamborghini is. V10 is tuned to where, uh, it's tuned more aggressively. Right, like everything just kind of slants. It's a Lamborghini. Yeah, versus the R8, it's more supposed to be like. R eight's supposed to be a supercar that you can drive every day,
0: like the nine eleven.
1: Yeah, um, which is just ridiculous. What you can do—they're do comfortable those cars. Yeah, the R eight's not a bad car. It's a fun car.
0: I mean, the, the first generation R 8s are iconic. Yeah, that single blade yeah. down that the back. That if You got them carbon too. Yeah, but gated screw shifters. those
1: old, like, the, never get an original like automatic. Oh no!
0: Come on, the gated shifter. Oh my god! V eight, R Yeah,
1: the, the gated shifter, V eight. That's the perfect track car. There's just enough power. We had a customer buy one. Yeah. yeah. There's like the perfect amount of power. You
0: met Roger, I think, co
1: I think so. Yeah. He bought yeah. one. If I could ever get the chance to buy an R eight, that's exactly what I would buy. It would be a manual V eight. Uh, unless I mean, if I could get my hands, like if I if money wasn't an issue and I could get my hands on like a brand new. Like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. V ten, V ten plus. That obviously, that's what I would go with because it's gonna last longer.
0: I feel like Audi needs another, not an RA competitor, but another car that's like maybe a step, just slightly a step down from the R Yeah, because well, like I mean, Porsche has the GT two RS, but we also have the GT three RS.
1: That's whenever you're talking like, uh, like S eight, like yeah. S eight. Will run with an R eight. Still
0: a four door though, isn't
1: it? Mm hmm. It's four door. You get, you know, you can get a refrigerator. You have massaging seats. You have uh, maybe that's what the Audi way is. Yeah, maybe that's touch what screen. Like about yeah, it. there's a lot of like luxury in Audi, but it's like performance luxury is right. what they always go for. So like an S eight plus will run ten and a quarter mile. Like it'll wow. run 10 second quarter miles from the factory, out the box. like right out of the box. 10 second quarter miles and then but you're also 10 second quarter miles getting a back massage and heated and ventilated seats and your kids sleeping in the back seat your kids sleeping in the back seat you've got a refrigerator back there you know your back seat actually reclines and folds back and also massages you know uh your headrest is an actual touchscreen tablet that you can just take off we and have those <laughs> you can control everything in the car You've got direct pinpoint matrix lighting inside the car to direct it exactly how you want to. And you, you ask control. why?
0: It's because it's a German car. Yeah. And it's because it's Audi.
1: Because, yeah, it's just <laughs> German. Das ist gut. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And the most complicated things you will ever work on in your entire life. I was told whenever I was in school, uh, one of my teachers was a old Mercedes tech. And he was like, oh, you got a job? you got a job with Audi? I was like, yeah, he was like, listen, dude, if you can make it working on Audis, you can work on anything, I promise. Yeah. He was like, if you can figure out those cars, you can literally figure out everything. Because, I mean, they're so over-engineered. It's ridiculous how over-engineered these cars is. Or are. God. Um,
0: No high school, it's okay.
1: And, uh, like, (laughs) like, uh, you just got that. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. Um, Like you've got, you know, like a simple push rod that just goes from the back of your brake and pushes into a cylinder. Well, in an Audi, instead of it being one rod that goes from the back of your brake pedal and pushes into a cylinder, it's going to go from the back of your brake pedal to the firewall, push on another another rod that goes up, comes to this rod, that one also goes up, goes back, and every single one of them is adjustable.
0: Has to make it as efficient and And customizable as possible. why? And ninety nine point nine percent of people who ever drive one will never know or care.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, if one little thing is
0: slipped up at all, if one thing is a quarter turn off, it won't work. It has to be perfect. Well, I think about like Porsche, all the new Porsches. I don't know if Audi has done this. The door, like the interior door handles, aren't even connected to the door. Like they're not; well, they're connected to the door. They're not connected to the locking mechanism. They're yeah, electric. they're just electric. It's just so a you potentiometer.
1: Just, yeah, you just touch it, and you barely have to pull the door handle out. So when you uh, open the ours door— Ours actually have a mechanical override, though. So if you open the, you touch it and, like, open the door, you barely open the handle, you just kind of you know flip it out a little bit electronically to open the door. But you can grab it and pull it all the way out, and it manually overrides that. It's the weirdest thing with so ours. So if your, like, battery dies or something, right. you can still get out of your car.
0: If, I think we have a different way of getting around. I don't know, actually. I haven't really played around with it too much. But you open the door, and, like, it just feels like you're just— like it doesn't feel like you're opening a door. Yeah, you know, like you, know, you feel like you feel flipping that. a switch it's like that clunk sh- clunk sh- you get when you open a door handle well, you don't get that at all there's yeah. no feedback. it's like it's like it's like it's opens the door it's mm-hmm. door it's opens it's it's super light cuz it's like and powered
1: it's like it's like close yeah, themselves? Yeah. Yeah. The really cool like
0: the Panamera is really cool because it's like it's like like it's 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 you know, the door swivels back on, I think it's all, like it's so it like it's 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 like you can just drop the door and it stays there. That's you can, cool. You can open the door however wide you want to. That's cool.
1: And it stays. Yeah, because most cars have like what one or two detents or something. Yeah, like that. two or
0: three, I think. Yeah, it's usually what you get. Like the wide yeah. open, the barely open, and the regular, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Panamera, you can leave it wherever you want it. But if you get within like a couple inches of the door, it just pssst, closes itself. That's cool. That's cool. No reason to have any of that, but.
1: No, not at all. Well, I I don't. I just think it's so bougie to have a door that closes itself. Like you don't have to slam the door shut. You just barely touch yeah, just, it to the car, and it closes by
0: itself. I just slam them anyways, because I don't have time to sit there and wait and watch, yeah, my, watch my door close. I ain't got time for that kind of shit. Apparently, they're super strong, too. Like, if you stuck your finger in there, it'll break Oh, it Oh,
1: it'll... Yeah, it'll hurt you. It'll hurt you. I've uh, I've seen it almost happen a couple times. Because... uh, Some Audi techs are just a little special. A little special.
0: A little special. A little
1: special aid. We've got to get... I... I'm ready to get back to work. I've got some new guys. I've got to straighten out. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We've got like... I don't know what what my boss has been doing, but he's been hiring so many people. So many. Like, mm-hmm. we've got like 12 new people. It's Jeez. ridiculous. You guys have a
0: lot of people, and you guys have less space than us.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, why do we have this many people? I mean, we're turning... Hours. We're, we're turning hours. Like, we're beating Audi Raleigh every single month in every aspect. Good. Like, part sales, hours, you know, grows, everything is just weird. We're just stopping them in the ground. And they have twice of what we have. But, yeah. I mean, then again, we work twice
0: as hard. While you've been out of work for hurting your ankle, you've had a lot of time to play with your kid.
1: Oh, we've been playing hard.
0: What does that mean to you? What does being a dad mean to you?
1: That is the best thing I could ever want in my entire life. Like, I wake up in the morning, and I'm just so happy that, that I'm just that I'm his dad. It's just the best thing ever. Like, that kid wakes up, and it's just, hey, Dada!" Yeah. And we're just best friends. Like, that is, like, 100%. That is my best friend in this entire world. All he wants to do is be me. And it is just so cool. The little dude. I can't wait to get home and see him. He's been, uh, parks opened up yesterday. Or day before yesterday. And that we've been going every day. And, like, yesterday I had him so wore out. We played so hard. At the park, and like I can't even run or anything yet. Uh, He thinks I can though, because for some reason, uh, or Or he doesn't care if he can't. Well, he he would try to get away from me, but he didn't realize that I can just walk the other way, like (sighs) around whatever it was, and still get him. So he was like, I mean, sprint, full sprint back and forth across this park for hours. And that kid, uh, before we left, he just laid on the ground and was like, Dad, dad, I'm too tired to move. And he just laid there. He's like, you got to carry me to the car. And I'm like, no. I'm like, get up, punk. And he's like, no. He's like, I can't. I was like, you're going to get up or dad's going to get you again. And he's like, he just hops up, sprints to the car. Because he knows that I'm about to get him. And I'll just hold him down and tickle him. Yeah. That's it. Just just hold him down tickle him. Act like I'm going to beat him up or something. And it's just the best thing ever.
0: He's four now?
1: Yeah, he's four. That kid lives a better life than almost everybody I know. No. I mean, that kid, he wakes up in the morning, he's got an f- incomplete room full of toys. I take, I take a lot of pride in, in how well I've taken care of this kid.
0: Gets what he wants for breakfast, sits uh, there, watches TV, hangs out with you.
1: Yeah. He, uh, he's so smart, he just kind of goes and does his own thing. He yeah. can cook eggs by himself.
0: Yeah, you've taught him how to cook yeah, a little bit. I've
1: taught him, like, literally, he'll go in there, turn the stove on crack an egg throw it in the pan he puts a little oil in there first oh, you know, like he really like he actually will go in there and cook himself some eggs and he's four and uh, he just he's so smart he should be reading by the end of this year which I think is going to be great going into kindergarten already because his read. mom
0: likes to read a lot so maybe he'll get some of that Yeah,
1: and I mean I've already got him doing basic math like basic addition subtraction right. stuff like that he's doing a lot of uh I mean, he's doing a lot at school, too. Like, it's cool because his preschools actually, like, ran through the state school system. So, he's actually, like, takes tests and is graded on stuff when he's only four. It's not just – school's not just going to school and playing. Like, he actually had, like, a homework assignment for the weekend. Like, he had to bring this this, uh, teddy bear home. And uh, we had to like make sure that he read to it at night and brush oh, his teeth, and he had like all this stuff. And he, it's we probably have to, the like cutest thing ever. Yeah, we have to like actually document this, like everything. Like we have to take pictures, print them out, and put them like in this in this project. And uh, it's so cool.
0: And it's nice because I feel like a lot of parents wouldn't care enough to do that for their kid too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that kid. Every single about every single thing about him is like my biggest concern and my pride and joy.
0: What has it been like? Because you, obviously you had expectations whenever your wife was pregnant with him. Like those expectations compared to the reality, four years later. You pretty much spot on with what you thought it was going to be.
1: They exceeded, most definitely, yeah. exceeded How those so? expectations just in every way. She was so perfect the entire time she was pregnant. Like there was it, there was nothing like that. She like her nutrition, every single thing about her just changed, and she like it didn't matter. Everything was just for him. Like everything doesn't matter what anybody told her she would like <laughs> i remember she was so funny about people like smoking around her and stuff yeah it's not, like if her mom came over and she like walked out and like amanda walked outside and her mom walked outside and lit a cigarette amanda would just go off yeah like that was it like she was so so and she's still like that like nobody smokes around him nobody does anything like that like it's not that i don't want him you know i just don't want i don't want him to expose to sex nobody wants him to expose to like secondhand smoke like that right Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's just, she's just, I mean, she's, she's kind of a momzilla. She can be, she's like right on top of it. Like nobody touches that baby whatsoever, but she's been like that, I mean, since before he was born.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, you're over here flipping through the air, throwing him 10 feet in the air, riding around motorcycles with him.
1: Oh, he knows that dad, dad's ready to party. Like we just, we play, we play hard. So it's
0: not like you're being overprotective, like, oh my God, don't hurt my baby. It's just like. Yeah, it's just, oh, she's, she's like, be-
1: please don't, please please be careful. Please this, please that. And I'm like, babe, guess what Noah did today? She's like, what? And I'm like, he did his first wheelie on a dirt bike. <laughs> she's like, what? She's like, all right, send me the video. I know you got one. And I'm like, all right. So I send the video, and here's Noah and my buddy Ridge doing a wheelie going across the front yard on a dirt bike. And meanwhile, I'm sitting on the sidelines watching in crutches. Standing on crutches watching my but son okay. do wheelies across the yard. And Noah had the best time of his life. That kid's ridden everything. He's ridden four wheelers, three wheelers, dirt bikes, go karts. I mean, you name it. He's driven a GTR. Like he he sat in the front seat of me with me one time and I drove a GTR, and I mean we did like a full launch control. Yeah. He's I mean he's ridden in. Yeah. You
0: weren't letting him drive a GTR by himself.
1: Yeah. He's ridden in I mean 700, 800 horsepower cars doing full pulls down the road. Yeah. And, like, I mean, we're talking, like, fully. He, I, like, moved his car seat and everything just to take him for a ride in this car. And he thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And he just, that kid has zero fear in his little body. And his, it, that, that little body is indestructible. You
0: need to get him in a race car.
1: Yeah. The stuff that I've seen that kid go through, oh, my God. We should get him into go-karting. Especially yeah. if he has zero fear now. Oh, yeah. And he gets good at go-karting. He wants a motorcycle.
0: Really been mm, yeah, do motorcycle racing.
1: Yeah, I really want to get him. Like you remember the little pocket rocket? Yeah, like uh, the little, the little baby motorcycles. I really want to get him one of those. They're expensive. They're like 300, 350 bucks for like yeah. a used one. Um, uh, I mean, it's electric not, or gasoline. Uh, I want to get him a gas one, like kickstart little fifty cc two. Make start. him take care of it too. Yeah, and that'll teach him uh the importance of maintaining things that five year
0: olds shouldn't really even know how to do, it, but apparently he's going to.
1: That kid, that kid is smart.
0: Four, and I, I say five, because he's, he's gonna be five by the time that happens, not.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, so he's big into Legos now. I got him. I got him into. I got him his first set of Legos, and now that's all he really wants to do. It's just build stuff. It doesn't matter. I, I, half the time, I have no clue what he's building, but he's building something. That's all that really matters. And we'll sit in there and Creativity. I like. Yeah, like whenever I first got hurt, I couldn't do anything. So I just like I couldn't. I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk, so I just would like lay on the floor in his room, and we would play Legos for like eight hours a day, for like three weeks, it was like six, eight hours a day, we would just play Legos, and we built, I mean, it's just to see in his little mind work, it's the coolest thing in the world.
0: Well, it sounds like he's really, really far ahead of the curve with that kind of stuff too, because it's... Yeah. Most people don't get into that kind of stuff till years later.
1: Yeah, like he's really, he's, he's, he's far ahead on everything, The kid excels in everything, he won't ever let you know it, though, because he is such a clown. Yeah. That kid, he's just like me. Poor
0: guy. And he's he, hyper as all get out. has all the energy in the is, world.
1: Yeah, there is nothing that slows him down whatsoever except for a wall, and that slows him down for just a couple seconds. After he, he breaks gets back a drywall
0: wall and then goes through and uh,
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I've seen him run headfirst straight into a wall many times, hits the ground, hops right back up, and goes right the other direction. Like, his glasses, I didn't realize that... I was like, why is there, are his glasses so messed up? And it's because I've seen him fall and slide on his face across the ground so many times. And then he just hops back up, brushes his face off, and just starts running again. I'm like, Jesus, dude.
0: No fear.
1: I love it. I love it. I what wish... else could you ask for, honestly? Yeah. I mean, he's like the perfect kid. He really is. Most
0: I... people are trying to get their kids to ride a bike without... Falling down, their kids scared of falling down, and scraping their knee. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's like, "Yeah, let's do a wheelie on a dirt bike."
1: Yeah, he he learned how to ride a bike two days after he turned four, and he just like we were at we were at my buddy Ridge's house. We sit down. Uh, we're hanging out with everybody, all the parents, and one of the little boys there, he's like six or seven. He had a bike with no training wheels, and he's riding up and down the driveway. And Noah's like, Noah just goes. And he asks this kid, "Can he look at his bike?" And the kid's like, "Yeah." And Noah picks up this kid's bike, and he goes, "Dad, I want to ride this one. And I was like, are you sure, buddy? I was like, you're going to fall. And I was like, I just want to make sure you know you're going to fall. And he's like, "He's like, I know, I'm going to fall. And I was like, it's going to hurt, buddy. And I was like, it's not like falling regular. Like, you're going to fall, and you're going to fall hard. He's like, I know. And I was like, all right. And I pushed him down the driveway, and that was it. He took off and was gone.
0: Didn't he fall?
1: Uh, the first, first run, he didn't fall. He went down the driveway, and then uh, Ridge caught him at the end of it Uh, because he obviously he couldn't he was trying to figure out how to stop and stuff like that and then within a couple hours of him doing that he I mean he fell god he fell so many times because he would uh, he would try to turn without leaning he didn't realize yeah without leaning so he would just turn the steering he would just turn the wheel and just slam on the ground hard and I'm like dude you gotta lean you gotta do this and then the next hard part was uh, getting him to the point where he could take off because he was still so small on the bike, that the bike was still like he still even with the seat all the way down everything, his legs weren't on the ground on the ground because it was a uh, it was a bike it was it was Christopher's old bike. Okay, so it was a uh, like 16, and he's four, so he should be on like a 12. Yeah, yeah. You know? But he's like he would throw his leg over the seat, pe- the, like take off with one leg, throw his other leg on the on the pedals and take off. And oh, was God, it. so he was riding this bike, he can't even touch the ground.
0: Things four year olds shouldn't be doing.
1: And he just, I mean, he he did it, though. He made it himself. He made it his own, his own little thing. And he, there's no stopping that kid. And he's a big four-year-old, though. Like, he's a—he's uh, in 5T, 5T clothes. He's been in 5T clothes for a while now. And he's about to go to 6T because he's already outgrowing everything. I have
0: no context what that means. Is that, like, uh, five-year-old... Five-year-old clothes. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: he's wearing five-year-old clothes. He's going to six-year-old clothes because he's just getting so big.
0: Sorry, over here, I'm not a parent. I don't really plan on being one anytime soon either, so. <laughs> we can come borrow mine if you want to practice. I'm good. I'll pass on that one. <laughs> Solid pass. He's
1: a good time. You know you love that kid. Yeah. It's funny to see you two together.
0: He's a little terror.
1: No, I just, I, I still have a video of you playing football with him. You were holding him. Was I? Playing football. I can't remember. Yeah, this. you were rushing all the oh, other kids. Oh, in the And just this. pushing yeah, them yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you were holding Noah like he was a football the whole time. I think he held the football. Yeah, he held the football, and you were holding him like a football. And just like sprinting back and forth across the yard. He thought that was the greatest thing in the world.
0: Back when I was in football shape and could do that.
1: Yeah. So my buddy Corey, we actually uh, went to a party at his house. He, he, he snuck home and surprised everybody from California. And I took Noah over there, and there was probably like I don't know like fifteen people there. Yeah. So. And uh, we all play basketball uh, outside, and so everybody just took turns like picking up Noah and dunking. Like Noah, Noah would just dunk the ball, and he thought that that was the coolest thing ever. Stuff like that just makes that kid's whole life. That's why I think I have a lot of really really good friends, because like they just everybody you just do. loves do. loves my little boy. So he just did a project at school. Uh, and he had to name off all of his best friends and my buddy Ridge was number one. Oh, he was gosh. like, who's your best friend? Ridge. Every time you ask him, who's your best friend? Ridge. Except for Dada. Ridge it's, is it's the unofficial father? Yeah, it's Dada, Mama, and Ridge. That's it. And then after that it's like Hector and then it's uh, Corey but he's in California. And it's just, you know, it just keeps on going. It's so funny to me. That kid is a mess. But he just loves to, he just loves to play. He likes to get picked on.
0: He likes to get picked on? He likes to get picked on. I
1: get him. I get him. I just hold him down to take a limb every time he messes around. So
0: I dealt with that too. He
1: keeps messing around. And like he keeps egging it on. Like he's like he's like, Oh, I'm gonna do it again You know.
0: Does he ever get you back good? They ever do anything to get oh, you Oh
1: yeah. That kid has jumped off the top of the bed and landed on my neck oh, so many times. Oh god, my poor nuts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've never been hit so many times. I swear he like targets them. I mean, he just, he'll, it doesn't matter. He'll, I mean, full force, no fear. He'll, yeah. like, leap off the top of stuff, right at you. Like, no fear whatsoever. He has no clue whether you're at, he's, you're actually going to catch him or not. But he's just full force leaping off of it. He doesn't care. He's coming at you. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Do you have any parting words of wisdom?
1: Don't work yourself to death.
0: That's it?
1: It'll, it'll get you there. You'll get there eventually. Don't stop. Just... But don't want it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: don't let your kid jump off the bed onto your nuts.
1: Yeah, don't do that. That hurts. It's not really, I don't let him. <laughs> nobody lets him. He just I does don't it. Don't teach him these things. I don't, I don't, nobody teaches their kid that. That's just something that happens.
0: Oh, God, he gets it from you.
1: Unless his mom taught him. And if he ever admits to it, we're going to have words.
0: <laughs> okay, we're done.
1: <laughs>